Hello, you've tuned into Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Welcome again to the program. You know, life is sometimes like monkey bars. You've got to let go of one bar to move on to the next. A wise man will choose a good name over wealth and riches. Prosperity comes from right living and generosity. That's the message in Proverbs chapter 22 as we continue our search for proverbial wisdom. Let's join Dr. Corbett now. So we have uh, looked at particularly the Proverbs in our Sunday morning and you'll notice uh, that the Proverbs are poetic statements, just standalone little statements where usually it's, it's what we call a parallelism. It means there's, there's one statement's made and then underneath another statement is made that sounds like the first one or it's designed to say the same thing as the first one in a different way. And that's the way the Proverbs are. So we're going to see that as we read these Proverbs here. What we have is the first nine chapters of Proverbs is by way of introduction. We don't precisely know who compiled the book of Proverbs. We know that most of the source material came from King Solomon. We're told that King Solomon actually wrote thousands of Proverbs and some of those we have here. We have them uh, starting from chapter 10 verse 1 where it introduces uh, that chapter by saying these are the Proverbs of Solomon. Then we have in this chapter the starting of, a, of a, what's called a 30 saying section and that starts at verse 17. And in, so Proverbs 22, verse 17, it says there, is, there are 30 sayings which I now want to present to you. And it goes, spills over into uh, Proverbs 24, about verse 6 or so, the 30 sayings. Then we have in chapter 25, uh, the, the statement in the opening verse there that these Proverbs were actually Solomon's Proverbs, but were not included in the original edition. These are the Proverbs that were passed on down to King Hezekiah. So we have King Hezekiah who is reintroducing his audience to the Proverbs of Solomon. Then we have the last two chapters are quite curious because they were not written by Israelites or Hebrews. The last two chapters were written by people, people who were Arabs uh, and they uh, fit into th this book of Proverbs. And so we have this amazing breadth of God's wisdom being revealed to people, not on the basis of their ethnicity, but on the basis of their relationship with God. And that should reinforce to us a couple of things. Firstly, our relationship with God is based on grace, not race. Isn't that good? I mean, to know that it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew, Gentile, Yellow, black or white, we are all precious in his sight. How come only three of us knew that? <laughs> Salvation, a relationship with God, is, is based on grace, not race. Now, hopefully most of us go, yeah, but there are some places on the planet where that's not appreciated at all. And... That's ugly. That's ugly. So, so when we look at these Proverbs, we're looking at wisdom that comes from God and it's, it's universal. It applies in any culture, any time, to any people, in any situation. So what we're about to read is something that the Bible says, if you take these to heart, they will make you wise. 
So we have here in chapter 22 the, pro- the continuing Proverbs of Solomon. Now Solomon says, as, it, it, as either he introduces his Proverbs with some kind of proverbial introduction, he says in the opening nine chapters this sort of thing over and over. My father told me. My father said to me. My father said, treasure the words of your father. So what we have here is Solomon telling us that much of his wisdom came from his father, listening to his father. And when we look at this, hopefully you're going to see that we have a son who learned both directly and indirectly. And for parents, this should give us some heart. Because as a parent who desperately wants my four children to grow up to live well, I know I don't always, I don't always set the best example. I know that. But I hope in those situations my, my children are able to learn indirectly. There are times when I am tired and I snap and there are times when I'm impatient and there are times when I speak before I should have just thought about it. Now I know I'm probably the only one in the room that falls into these sins. My children see me violate Proverbs 23, the first few verses, which says, if you are a man given to appetite, put a knife to your throat. I'm going to suck in at this point. And so parents don't always set the best example, but this should give us comfort that Solomon knew that not only did David teach him, David also didn't always live up to the teachings he was passing on to Solomon. And so we, we see David on his deathbed telling his son, God has made you wise. Now this is interesting. God has made you wise. God will give you wisdom. Now, I find this interesting because here's Solomon, 19 years of age. 19 years of age, about to become king of Israel. Yesterday, I think Australia's youngest parliamentarian, Wyatt Earp, Wyatt, Wyatt Roy. Sorry, didn't mean to be disrespectful there. That just came out. See, that's, I do that. Wyatt Roy, 20 years of age. And Solomon was younger than him. Now, I don't know if you saw White Roy on the TV and thought, wow, he's, you know, he's just a kid. Solomon was younger when he became king. So you've got this, this kid, who, there he is at, at his father's deathbed. And his dad is saying to him, God has made you wise. And what's Solomon's response? I don't feel it. I, I, I don't reckon I am. So you remember, we're sort of, I'm bringing you back to 1 Kings chapter 1 and chapter 2. David dies. So 1 Kings chapter 2, I think it is, Solomon goes down to this place called Gibeah or Gibeon. And in Gibeon, known for its wise people, there are two places in Israel that were famous for their wise people. One was Gibeon, the other one was Tekoa. And there was an interesting episode in King David's life when his commander-in-chief of his armies actually did not know how to persuade David about 
changing his mind over something. So he went to the city of Tekoa and found the first lady he could find, knowing that a lady from Tekoa would be wiser than the king of Israel. Amazing. And she was. So there's two places, Gibeon and Tekoa. And just after Solomon was, was you know, pronounced king, he went down to Gibeon to seek the Lord. And you remember what happened? The Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, get ready, because what would you say to God if God appeared to you in a dream and said, ask of me whatever you want and I will grant it? <laughs> Just happened to have a list. Wrote it on a toilet roll because it was the only piece of paper long enough. <laughs> what would you say? New car, new house, Blu-ray player. Sorry, that's my list. Uh, no. <laughs> what would you say? What did Solomon say? God, there's just one thing I want. I want wisdom. This is interesting because David said of Solomon, you are already wise. You are already wise. I've taught you. You've got it. You're already wise. Solomon didn't feel it. What do you call that when, when you have that attitude about yourself? It's called humility. Can you see that? It's called humility. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever gone up to someone and said, hey, you did really well. And they go, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I'm not going to be telling you you did a good job again. Yeah, I know, I, I, I totally rock. <laughs> it's like, what? That's not, that's not humility, Joe. That's not humility. <laughs> just randomly, just pick someone, Joe. <laughs> oh dear, did it again. So here we have Solomon not feeling overly confident in himself. That should give us heart. As someone who, who battles with self-doubt all the time, God, I don't know if I can do what you've called me to do. I don't know if I've got what it takes. Oh, God, I need you. Just let me get through another day, please. And here's Solomon going, I need wisdom. Now, this is interesting, I think, on the level that there is a human wisdom. There is a wisdom you can kind of learn the ropes of. It's human wisdom. James talks about it in James chapter 3. He says there is a wisdom from, there is an earthly wisdom. But then he says there's a wisdom from above that comes from God. And that's the wisdom that Solomon got. And that's the kind of wisdom Solomon is trying to get us to seek. And really, the, the opening nine chapters is saying, seek it, look for it, pursue it. Look for it. And, and, and the opening nine chapters say this, but I tell you now, there's, there's, there's a few things that will keep you from finding wisdom. One is sexual misconduct, which is profound because here is Solomon saying, if you want to be wise, if you want the best for your life, which is what comes from wisdom, if you want God's blessing, which comes when you are wise, keep yourself sexually pure. Because if you don't, it'll destroy your soul. He said, many a man has reduced the value of his life to a slice of bread. Which sounds like, what? That's how they paid prostitutes, with bread, with meat, bread, food. Many a man has reduced the cost of his soul 
to a loaf of bread. And Solomon is saying, you're, you're far more valuable than that. Find out how valuable you are and live worthy. Live a life that's worthy. And that is called being wise. And Kim mentioned pretty well this morning, actually, that we're not to approach God flippantly. We're not to have a flippant attitude toward God. And I know that, that there are people that we deal with that have a pretty flippant attitude about spiritual things, eternal things, and God things. Don't you, don't you concern that the Bible says if you don't give your life to Christ, you'll go to hell for eternity? Oh, hell, oh, I'm going there to have a party. The Bible calls that foolish. That is foolish. Well, what about God? Oh, I don't even believe there's a God. I just believe we're all going to go to nothing. Psalm 14, verse 1. Psalm 51, verse 1. Says, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. It actually takes far more faith to believe there is no God than it does to believe there is. But if you fed your doubts... That will seem far more reasonable than the truth. See, here we have Solomon toward the end of this book, Proverbs 22. He has seen his father. He's seen his father in the closing years of his life make some horrible mistakes. You remember toward the, the closing part of King David's life, he committed one of the biggest mistakes. Now, most of us, when we think of the mistakes that David make, we think of Bathsheba, and we think of that adultery that he committed. But the Bible actually concludes with a mistake that David made that was far greater than that, and it was the, the, the mistake of arrogance. Do you remember when he wanted to number the people? And Joab, his commander, came to him and said, David, what, what do you want to do that for? You, you know your territory. You're the shepherd over these people. Love them, guard them, protect them. That should be enough. David said, no, I want to know actually how many are in my kingdom. And Job's going, David, it doesn't matter. Well, it does to me. I want to know that I'm a bigger king than that king. So Joab reluctantly goes out and he does a half-hearted job at numbering the people. He comes back and he tells David, you've got X million people in your kingdom. David goes, I'm really something then, aren't I? And God was ticked. God was ticked. You want to tick God? Kid yourself. Become arrogant. Become proud. Do something that you think you've done and you didn't need God for. That's called pride and that ticks God off. In the last couple of weeks I've had several people in the church who've had encounters with people from sort of new age background where these people have thought they were very spiritual because, and they did spiritual things. And true enough, they did spiritual things. And they thought, well, God surely is pleased with any spiritual activity. And that is foolish. That is a very foolish way of thinking. Because the Bible has a lot to say about spiritual activity. It has a lot to say. And it actually warns against a whole bunch of it. A whole bunch of spiritual activity that it lumps up in this category called witchcraft. Manipulating the spiritual and manipulating people without God. That's witchcraft. And the Bible condemns it. And if you read Proverbs, sorry, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, it says, There is going to come a time after judgment 
when we will see who's not in heaven. And, and who, who's not in heaven? Revelation 21 verse 8 lists the cowardly, the unbelieving, liars, those who practice sorcery, new age spirituality, will not be in heaven. Sexually immoral and, there's, there's, and those who commit abominations will not be in heaven. Wow. Wow. And the Bible says it's possible for you to kid yourself, to be deceived into thinking that the lie is the truth. And, and Solomon saw David get it horribly wrong. He saw his dad number the people. He saw uh, what God, how God responded and God responded in, in wrath. He was angry. And God came to David and he said, you should not have done this. And David says, oh God, what have I done? And God says, there are consequences, David. You can have three years of famine, I think it was, three months of war or three days of pestilence. What do you want? Just get it over with, God. Give me the pestilence. It was something like that. And so the angel of the Lord came and thousands of people died because of David's arrogance. Tragic. And Solomon, a little boy, would have seen his dad by his side, training to be the next king. He would have seen his dad botch this up horribly. But then he would have seen something very redemptive and very beautiful. He saw his dad make a mistake and not dwell on the past. You know, life is sometimes like monkey bars. You've got to let go of one bar to move on to the next. You've got to let go in order to move forward. And David had to let go even of his mistakes to move forward. And he, this is how he moved forward. God, I'm sorry, come and cleanse me. I need to be forgiven of the sin I've committed. I have done wrong. And every time David did wrong, he worshipped. Notice that. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and Bathsheba gave birth to that child, and the child became very sick, what did David do? He, he, he prayed, he sought God, an act of worship. When the child died, you remember what David did? In that darkest hour of his shame, the darkest hour of his life, you know what he did? He went into the temple, got down on his knees, and he worshipped. The time when you are in your darkest hour and you don't feel like worshipping God is probably the time you most need to do it. The time when you feel like you're becoming burnt out is when you need to turn the flame up. That's what David did. And because of that, <clears throat> David went down in history with a reputation. David, a man after God's own heart. That became his reputation. His reputation. And, and there are people that know how to build reputation. Mother Teresa, if I say Mother Teresa, you, we all get warm feelings. We get the feeling of this is a compassionate woman or was a compassionate woman. When I say um, Fred Hollows, when I, say, when I talk about these great people that gave their life sacrificially for others, we, we, we remember their reputation straight away. I wonder what reputation we'll have of Bill Gates when he leaves this planet. 
because his early reputation may not have been that good, but he's setting up the Bill and whatever his wife's name is foundation, where they just two weeks ago, did you hear this? They went to the 30 wealthiest people on the planet and had them commit to giving half of their wealth to the poor. Isn't that amazing? Warren Buffett gave $3 billion. I can't remember the last time I did that. <laughs> Be interesting to know what the world will say of Bill Gates when he's gone. What's your reputation? What reputation have you got? Here's the good thing. David made some horrible mistakes, but when he died, he died with the reputation a man after God's own heart. So that 1,100 years later, Stephen is having rocks about to be thrown at him and he cites David and he calls David, David, a man after God's own heart. David's reputation survived for over a thousand years. How important is reputation? I know that there are people that think, I don't care what others think of me. And you are going to read Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, say this to you, you should. You should care a lot the kind of reputation you are building. You should care a lot. And this is how it says it. Come with me, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favour is better than silver or gold. King David, when he died, he gave everything away. Remember that? He gave it all, not even to Solomon. He said, Solomon, all of my wealth I'm giving to the construction of the temple. So Solomon, he got the throne and he, he saw a dad who said, my reputation to me is more valuable than silver or gold. And I want to get that. I want to understand that. I want to understand it is better that people see us the way God wants us to be seen. That's called a reputation. To be reputable is to be a person of good reputation. Now notice this. We're going to see that reputation has to do with how you live. That's and we'll sum it up like this. Whether you live wisely or foolishly, your reputation is going to be built on whether you are a caring person or an uncaring person. Your reputation is going to be on whether you are careful or just foolhardy. And your reputation is going to be built on whether you are industrious or lazy. Do you want the reputation for being someone who gets things done or someone who always intended to get things done? Sorry, Pete. Um, <coughs> so we're going to see in these first 16 verses that these are the issues that Proverbs addresses. We're also going to see this, that it talks about building a reputation that will be more valuable than silver or gold. And if you've got lots and lots of silver or gold, the word for that is prosperous. So here's how it says you can build prosperity. This is what it's going to say in this section, these 16 verses. 
Prosperity is going to come from, we're going to see in verses 1 to 4, verse 8 and verse 13, it's going to come from right living, living right, doing the right thing. Prosperity is going to come from training, where you train others. Prosperity is going to come from avoiding debt. Good night, 21st century. Avoiding debt. And prosperity is going to come from generosity, verses 9 and 16. So let's go down, verse 2. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. See, careful. But, this is called a uh, negative parallelism. So here's the, the echoing statement is in the negative to highlight the positive. But the simple go on and suffer for it. The reward for, note this word, humility. Now humility is not false humility. You know, you go up to someone and say, you did that really, really well. Oh, no, it didn't. I suck. I'm terrible. I'm, I'm really hopeless. I, I'm, I'm so bad, I just feel like groveling on the carpet right now. Oh, give us a break. That's just as bad as the other bloke. Why can't anybody just say thank you? You did something really well. Someone comes up and says you did really well. Just say thank you. Don't give us this false humility facade. Am I speaking? Am I preaching here today or what? Am I? Is this registering with any? Here we go. So the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches honour and life. I can do with all three. In fact, I'm in. Who else? Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. So that's living right. You want to build a reputation? Live right. Live well. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's training. Training. You can build a reputation as a good parent if you'll train your children. Verse 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. That's debt avoidance. Avoid debt. Verse 8, whoever sows injustice will reap calamity and the rod of his fury will fail. That's living right, living well. Whoever has a bountiful eye, will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. That's generosity. Verse 10, drive out a scoffer and strife will go out and quarrelling and abuse will cease. That's living well. Don't be a scoffer. Don't be a one who causes strife. Verse 11, he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as a friend. That's living well, living wisely living well. Verse 12, the eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the traitor. That's living well also in what's called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is essentially this. You live in a constant knowledge that God is watching. God is watching constantly. You're just constantly aware of it. God is watching and God will either reward or judge. Verse 13, the sluggard. Oh, what a word. The sluggard. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. That's like, well, why don't you get off your blessed assurance and get out there and get a job? Oh, because I could get hurt. Give me a break. 
get up and do something. Mow your grass in your gutter at least. Do something, you know. It's like, man. Verse 14. <laughs> Not a whole lot of amening happening here, but. <laughs> the mouth of the forbidden woman is a deep pit. Right, there's, there's the echo, this again. The mouth of a forbidden woman is a deep pit. Did you hear about the time that woman went to the dentist? <clears throat> oh, I'll tell you later. The dentist said to her, you've got a cavity, 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 cavity. <laughs> he with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. Verse 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. That's training again. And verse 16, whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. So that's generosity. So how... How do you live a, a, the kind of life that will build your reputation as a, as a person after God's own heart? You, you build that reputation by being careful. Don't rush into things. You build that reputation by seeking God's wisdom. You build that reputation by caring for people, caring for your children, caring for the poor, caring for those who are vulnerable. How do you build the kind of reputation God wants? You become an industrious person. There is nothing wrong with being busy. There's nothing wrong with it. There's everything wrong with being lazy. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> and that's how we build a reputation, the kind of reputation that the Bible says is more valuable than silver or gold. Let's pray. Father, we are able to call you our Father because of what Jesus Christ has done in saving our souls. Lord, we thank you that you are our creator. You created us to be in fellowship with you. You created us to be at peace with you. But Father, our forefathers of, of long ago disobeyed and rebelled and they stained the human soul with sin. And we are all born with that stain on our soul. And Father... Even though we try to live clean, we are still stained. We need to be washed and we can't do it ourselves. Only you can wash us clean from that stain. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that it was when you died on the cross and you shed your blood, that it is your blood that washes that stain from our soul spiritually and you make us clean, you wash us, you give us a brand new heart, a brand new mind, a brand new spirit. Lord, I thank you for what Jesus has done in us. And if you're here today listening to me right now and you know your soul is stained and you have tried religion, you have tried drugs, you have tried relationships and nothing but nothing but nothing can remove that stain from your soul and you know you're not clean and you know that you need a saviour, can I introduce you to Jesus Jesus Christ, the saviour of your soul, the one who can wash you clean. You are just one prayer away from peace with God. One prayer away that says, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sin and wash me clean. If that's you, and you may have been going to church all your life, but today the Holy Spirit is working in your soul telling you, convincing you, you need 
to be at peace with God. You need what this guy is saying. You need your soul cleansed. Do not leave this building without the assurance that your souls are cleansed from sin and made white and clean and brand new. If that's you, then pray this prayer from your heart. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come and live in my heart. I want to live for you. Fill me with your spirit and make me the man or the woman you want me to be. In Jesus' name. King David built a reputation for being wise, caring and generous. It's wise to choose a good name over wealth and riches. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters, including tonight's program, A Proverbial Search for Wisdom, Part 4, are available from Lagana Media. You can contact us at P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277, or via the website findingtruthmatters.org. If you'd like to subscribe to the monthly e-newsletter Perspectives, visit findingtruthmatters.org and click subscribe. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.